Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right, everybody, welcome to Revolution. Um, good to see some familiar faces in the crowd. Um, also, as always, glad to have uh, all our online congregation, as always, wherever you are. We're glad to be in your ears and uh, love your feedback on Facebook. It's been really cool to see. Um, so thank you. So last week's sermon I did not put up because I kind of had a little bit of a nervous, had a bad day. So I did the sermon, but I didn't put it up. But I talked about going to Baltimore the next day for a speaking event. And, well, how did that go? It didn't go. I bought a ticket for the to go speak at this college. And I realized when I got there that I bought my ticket for PM rather than AM. And my heart sank into my shoes. And, uh, yeah, that never happened before. And uh, go up to the counter. First of all, I'm like, why is the uh, flight number different? And the guy's like, this is for PM, not AM. And I go, oh, you know, Karen just dropped me off at the airport. I also have my partner who I work with for Loosen the Bible Belt who I have to call and give this information to. And I have to tell you, I've never been so tempted to lie in my life. To be like, well, I missed my plane or they canceled my flight. <laughs> oh, really wanted to. And it probably would have worked out better had I, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, much to the you know, because my wife encouraged me not to, <laughs> which was nice. My godless wife encouraged me to not lie. And, uh, yeah, it was really crappy. And the flight, they had a booked the flight by 11 over. So the lady was like, there is no chance. So I just had to, like, kind of step back and breathe. I went to a couple other flight air, 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 um, airlines to see if I could get a last-minute flight, but it didn't work out. So that's how my week started. So that was a bit crummy. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I love to share mundane stories with you guys. Had an awesome time at the apple orchard yesterday. Me and Josh and our wives and our kids all went to the orchard to pick apples. And watching two-year-olds run around in an apple orchard is pretty fun. And watch them cheers their apples. They were cheersing everything with the apples yesterday. They just got it in their mind to cheers. It was really cute. And... uh I got electrocuted by an electric fence yesterday. It was pretty awesome. I don't know why they have a <laughs> animals out and then an electric fence. There's no warning at all. Did you get electrocuted? 
<laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> so I did it twice because I was just like, this can't be. Was that, a, was, that, was, that a, was that my mind? So, yeah. Man, being a parent is weird. It is so weird. My son's got a big boy bed now. He's no longer in a crib. So he comes and wakes me up at 4.30 in the morning sometimes just to say, Papa, I'm up. And uh, the other day he just comes up and goes, Papa, Papa. And he has my glasses and my hat in his hand. <laughs> he goes, glasses, hat. It's like he doesn't know me without my glasses and hat either. <laughs> like I have to have my image. But it's really cute, but it's really exhausting. And then like he'll want to get in bed but not sleep. And so that's also very exhausting. Um, I'm 41, so I'm tired with my kids. I mean, I guess anybody with kids is kind of tired, but four-month-old and a two-year-old really wear you out. And it's hard to keep, keep, uh, keep on the cutting edge of what's going on in the world today because it's like you want to make sure they eat. You want to make sure you sleep. So that's what I do. But um, today I wanted to talk, like that segue, um, talk a little bit about sin. Oh yeah, everybody's favorite topic. Um, first of all, I want to talk about what Paul, Paul got accused of, because he preached so much grace that he got accused of giving out a license to sin, which I didn't know you needed a license. But uh, so I'm going to kind of talk about a little bit about what he, well, I'm going to read what he said um, about that to his, to his, uh, I think he, he, I think he talked a lot to his critics in his letters. Um, In Romans 3, 5, it says, but some of you say our sins serve a good purpose for people will see God's goodness when he declares us sinners to be innocent. Isn't it unfair then for God to punish us? That is actually the way some people talk. Of course not. If God is not just, how is he qualified to judge the world? But some might still argue, how can God judge and condemn me, a sinner, if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? See, I was just trying to bring God glory the other day by saying I missed my flight. Um, but if you follow that kind of thinking, however, you might as well say the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. Yet some slander me in saying this is what I preach. Um, and I, I think it's interesting because I, I don't, I talk so much about love and so much about grace and, and don't cover a whole lot about, you know, sometimes I think, Grace has become passe, but I also think sometimes sin, too, has become passe. Like, oh. Now, when I say sin, I mean, it covers a multitude of sins. covers a multitude of sins, multitude of things. But one of the big things, I think, is it's a denial of our, when we deny it, it's a denial. It's like when we have it, it's a denial of our brokenness is, is, is part of what sin is, is saying, you know, other people say it's missing the mark. But often it's hard to figure out, well, then what in the heck is the mark? You know, (laughs) but when we deny that we're broken, when we deny we need grace, when we deny we need mercy, 
And I think you could say that this is true for anybody in the world, not just people who consider themselves Christians, is when we're able to embrace our brokenness, we're able to face it and uh, go forward with it. And and realize that, you know, there's not any magical answers or magical powers that take it away. So, the more we sin, the better it is. No, not really. Um, a part of what I love about Romans 2 is when pa- Paul kind of in Romans 1 sets up this whole thing about everybody being bad sinners and stuff and what's, how, what horrible people we're talking about. But then he kind of springs the trap and says, you say what horrible people were talking about, but you're just the same, (laughs) you know, basically with your judgments and everything. But all people are sinners. Well, then, um, in 9, it says, well, then, are we Jews better than others? No, not at all. We already show, show that all people, whether Jew or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, now this is Paul quoting from Psalms. I remember my dad used to always tell me that when the, (laughs) <laughs> this isn't theological at all, but he would just say, like, when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, it's extra important because it's been mentioned twice in the Bible. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So this is extra important, everybody. So put on your listening caps, um, your ear goggles. No one is good, not even one. No one has a real understanding No one is seeking God. All have turned away from God. All have gone wrong. No one does good, not even one. Their talk is foul like a stench from an open grave. Their speech is filled with lies. The poison of the deadly snakes drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They are quick to commit murder. I know that I am. Wherever they go, destruction and misery follow them. They do not know what his true peace is. They have no fear of God to restrain them. Now, that's pretty heavy stuff. So I like to just kind of stick with no one is good, not even one. Um, And that no one really has an understanding and no one is truly seeking God. I mean, how do we know what we're seeking? 19 goes on to say, though, um, this is what gets me, too, though, in 9, is... that the church is a place where people get surprised when people fail. When we have stuff like this in the Bible that says no one is good. Everybody makes mistakes. We're all sinners. We all, you know, but yet somehow churches get surprised and discommunicate, excommunicate people and treat people wrong or go online and, you know, conservatives and liberals both do it. We both do it really well because it's, it's, it's just we love to ostracize each other. We like to be right. We like to put people in their place. And, in, and I think this is a, in some way a type of sin and type of pride that we, we do. Not to say that confrontation is wrong because I think there's a time for confrontation. There's a time to turn the tables over in the temple. And we'll probably talk about that next week um, if I can get that together. Why are we shocked when people mess up? Why are we shocked when we when we get people who are not perfect? When the Bible is very clear that there is no one that is perfect. Obviously, the law applies to those who it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having an excuse and bring the entire world into judgment before God. Now, the law is a scary thing. So for me, the law, I've always been able to relate to the law because I grew up in 
evangelical church where it was legalistic and they kind of turned grace and kind of turned Jesus and all that other stuff into a law, into its own law, into its own commandments. So I was able to kind of, I think that's how we can somehow best relate to the law now as if you've grown up in some sort of legalistic thing. I think sometimes it's harder for some of my uh, Lutheran brothers and sisters to kind of understand the law as much because they weren't, you know, they've always had grace. Not all of them. There's some Lutherans that are Missouri Senate. (laughs) They understand law. Trust me. But for no one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands. For the more we know about God's law, the clearer it becomes we aren't obeying it. So here it says keep people, you know, in judgment before God, but for no one can ever be made by God in God's sight by doing what his law commands. So you can't be made right in God's by doing what the law commands. So that you need a different way. The law does not work. But now God has shown us a different way, it says, in being right in his sight, not by obeying the law, but by the way he promised in the scriptures long ago. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in the same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. Now, there's good news right there, because when you think about it, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. So there's no ifs, ands, and buts about God's love and God's grace. There's no, the law can't make you right. Works can't make you right. Doing good things does not make you necessarily right in God's sight. It can make you a better person. It can make you help the world more, but it's not necessarily what God wants. Or not what God wants, but what but what God demands. So we're made right, when we're saved in the same way, no matter who we are, what we're in, for all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's another bold statement is all sin, all fall short. Um, some of us are used to hearing that, but sometimes it seems like that's, you know, it's not cool anymore to call everybody sinners and, and lost. And, and I don't like to be called a sinner. I don't like to be called that. But goes on to say, yet God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by taking away our sins. For God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. We are made right with God when we believe in Jesus shed his blood to sacrifice his life for us. God was being entirely fair and just when he did not punish those who sinned in former times. Has anyone noticed that verse that I just said before? He was being entirely fair and just when he did not punish those who sinned in former times. I have never heard that sermon, a sermon on that. I've never heard it talked about that somehow that people who sinned prior to Jesus were were not judged. How's that for inclusion? It almost seems like it makes if you think about it in some ways it almost makes Jesus seem like not as good news as we thought because <laughs> now we have a decision what we have free will I don't know these people these people but just Jesus but just being entirely fair when he did not punish those who sinned in former times I remember I was at a conference once and I asked about this verse I was on a I was on a panel 
So I just brought the verse up and said, what do we do with this? And everybody just got really quiet and said, oh, that's not what it actually means. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just kind of like literally switched over to something else. Like they just switched gears. Like it's like Jedi mind trick. I grew up with so many Jedi mind tricks in the church where you'd ask questions and they would just be like, we do not ask this question or that's doubt, you know, or that's just the devil getting a stronghold. You know, like we weren't allowed to ask these questions, you know, because we had to have this certainty. And if we had questions that shook our certainty, you know, somehow that was wrong. Um, but I also believe that I could live a life where I could not always fall short. I always thought I could live a life where I could be perfect and have grasped some level of perfection in my faith. And that just wasn't there. I've had to learn to accept myself given my character defects and accept those character defects. Some of those I can control and some of those I can't control. You know, some I can really work on to try to nail and the other ones, you know, my depression is not something that I'm able to just put in my pocket. I wish it was. Man, I wish it was. You know? Um, but it's kind of, in a way, my own cross to bear. The thorn in my flesh. And uh, we all have different things like that. But also there's things I can work on, like loving my neighbor as myself. And learning to love myself more, which kind of helps me with that character defect of depression. Anyway, I know that doesn't have anything to do with the verse I just read, but it's this. I feel like this whole section in Romans preaches and kind of preaches on its own. It goes on to say, Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on our good deeds, it is based on our faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. You hear that? God boasts. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on our good deeds. It's based on faith. So we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, You're saved by grace, not by works, so no man may boast. That's the good news. That's why it's called good news. You know, it's easy to get tired of hearing that. It's easy to just say, oh, well, it is what it is. But no, I mean, it, it, it's, it is the basic of, basis of the good news is that there's nothing we can do. That's why Tillich talks about you accept that you're accepted and you even accept that which is unacceptable. Because it's accepted. And you may not change more, you may not get better, you may not become more moral or anything, but you have to learn to accept that you're accepted. And that's some of the hardest stuff you can do. And uh, for me, it's been easier to accept others are accepted than myself. You know? And uh, it's still a battle, and I, I, I just wonder how much of that growing up in evangelicalism and just conservative Christianity kept me in this box of self-hatred or feeling like I had to earn acceptance, you know, or that I had to be a people pleaser or a God pleaser or things like that. And, you know, we can get caught up in that so often. So it's, you know, 
We all sin. We all fall short. Yes. But God, gracious kindness now declares us not guilty because of Jesus. Jesus is taking care of it one way or the other, whether you believe in atonement theory or you believe that Jesus came just to show us who God truly was, but it's been taken care of. It's easier to go with the atonement theory thing sometimes just because it's what Paul believed. Um, and it makes it a lot easier to deal with. But again, I think that's for another talk. It goes on to say, after all, God is not the God of the Jews only, is he? He is also the God of the Gentiles. Of course he is. There is only one God, and there is only one way of being accepted by him. He makes people right with himself only by faith, whether Jew or Gentile. Well, then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean we can forget about the law? And this is interesting. It says, of course not. But it says, in fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. So we become the fulfillment of the law through our faith, through our acceptance. Um, and this is radical stuff for the time because there's so many separations with people. There's so many, there's different tribes who are saying, well, no, we're God's chosen people. No, we're God's chosen people. No, we're God's chosen people. And Paul is saying it doesn't matter if you're a part of all the Jewish tribes, what Jewish tribe you're a part of, that doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if you're a Gentile who they saw as godless, horrible, filthy people. It doesn't matter. We're all one in Christ. It doesn't matter. We're all sinners. We all fall short. One of the things I think is interesting, I was reading... Uh, Martin Luther King book, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And um, this is something that I, I think I deal with as well. Dr. King says, as we look at man, we must admit that, by the way, it's all all the pronouns in, in King's writings are, are male. I apologize ahead of time. As we look at man, we must admit that he has misused his freedom. Some of the images of God is some of the image of God is gone. Therefore man is a sinner in need of God's divine grace. So often we try to deny this fact. We hate to face it. There are times even in our own theological thinking when we have become all too sentimental about man. We have explained his shortcomings in terms of errors or large or lags of nature. We have sometimes felt that progress was inevitable and that men were gradually evolving into a higher state of perfection. But if we are honest and realistic, we must admit that it isn't like that, for a man is a sinner. That's pretty, pretty heavy. And um, I think what I realize is that I fall into that all the time into that sentimental thing of I'm okay, you're okay. You know? Almost to the point where it did, grace isn't even needed anymore. You know? I just talked grace so much that it's just like, you know, I don't want to preach that people need to change or that people need to repent from things in their lives or, you know, 
uh, you know, I just want everybody to feel loved and feel okay. You know, but we have to change. As our responsibilities come into our lives, we have to change. There's compromises, like just as as a father, as a husband, as a partner. You know, there are things in life that change. Responsibilities that change. And we all have, you know, for me, it's like not realizing my own, you know, my white privilege is often something that is a a, a sin, you know? And saying, I need divine grace because of that. Because I recognize my own privilege as a heterosexual white male. You know, I have to recognize that and I need the grace to deal with that and the grace to let that go. I need to realize that for all have sinned and all fall short. I need to realize I have sinned and I fall short of God's glorious standard. And yes, I have grace, but I don't need to to romanticize the idea that I'm somehow perfect now. And this is not a guilt trip. This isn't to make you feel guilty or bad. It's just to say we're all in need of growth. Why do we read books? Why do we go to church on Sunday? Why do we, you know, study? Because we want to change. We want to better ourselves, you know. And I, I guess one of the things I would say is we need to search ourselves in our own lives and see where we're, you know, what is, what is our sin? Some of us, it's obvious, it plagues us every day, and others of us, it's not, you know, we, we live in a, in a charmed life where we don't notice it. You know, but it's a secret. How am I treating others? How am I treating myself? I mean, those are the big ones. You know? So it's a struggle to see, you know, am I, am I, do I realize in my brokenness? Do I realize how complex my brokenness truly is? Or do I live in a denial of somehow that I have it together? Do I live in a denial that somehow all people have it together? But just spend, you know, just spend a few minutes on Twitter, man. Good God. You know, you'll realize that we don't all have it together. And, uh, it's tough. It's tough to see the hypocrisy and the faith that I love so much. It's tough to see what this faith has become and how controlling it's become and how the idea of freedom and grace and acceptance, you know, it seems like we, we want those things You know, Johnny Cash had a line in one of the songs, we want the kingdom, but we don't want God in it. You know, it's like we want those things, but we don't want the responsibility that goes along with it. And then you've got other groups who just want all that responsibility, but don't want the grace and the freedom. So we kind of get this torn thing, you know. It's either I'm okay, you're okay, or no one's okay. But this says we're all sin and we've all fallen short. So no, we're not okay. But it goes on to say, but yet God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. So we are okay. What? So not okay, am okay. 
you're not okay, but you're able to realize that you are accepted despite that. And what do you have? You have the freedom to change. You have the freedom to morph into what you've been called to be or what you're evolving into. But man, that is a tough, tough walk. I wish I was a little bit better at it. So that's my sin talk. You know, I'm not here to say, repent from your sins. Turn or burn. What I'm here to say is that we all fall short. We all got it. Yet we're accepted through gracious kindness. But when we have faith, it fulfills the law. And I think that faith says the faith is that we are somehow accepted despite our shortcomings. And somehow that changes things. I know in my earlier life, in my early faith, I saw this firsthand. I saw the metamorphosis <laughs> happen. You know, many years of my life, I had tried. I mean, when I, I got sober when I was 20, so that was 21 years ago. But so many of those years of my life, I wanted to be sober. And I thought God hated me. You know, and I thought God had made a mistake because I couldn't get sober. There was something wrong with me. When a friend of mine started to show me these scriptures, particularly this, th- these here in Galatians, which everybody knows I love, um, but even this type of verse here, and said I was accepted. I mean, I couldn't believe it at first. I didn't believe it at all. I, 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 everything inside me said no, 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 no. I'm bad, you know. This is someone trying to justify their own sin in their own life. But when I accepted it is when I was able to step in in, and find a 12-step program because all of a sudden it wasn't about God's approval. It was about personal growth. It was about I'm accepted. I have freedom. I can be this way or I can be that way. And I want to try it that way. And it was very natural. And I hope that it's natural for a lot of us. I feel like I'm in the, you know, being in the second part of my life. Um, it's a little bit more complicated. It's a little bit tougher to to figure these things out, you know. Because there's this part of you that wants to just say, You've got it all together. It's all okay. But, uh, or just get so focused on life's worries that you forget about yourself and you forget about your own personal denials of brokenness. And one of the other things I want to say is I don't think we should allow our brokenness to define who we are either. I think it's to say, okay, well, I'm broken, but not to let it be the definite, defined feature is that I'm broken because I also have a tempting, temptation to be, that be my identification as I'm broken, pastor. Welcome to the broken church full of broken people. You know, that's part of it, yes. But we're also inc- included and accepted. And the goal here is to help us find that acceptance and accept that acceptance and to grow from that and be an example of that and take that outside of 
these walls and outside of your headphones or stereo, wherever you're listening to this, and and show that because there's so many people who haven't seen that they are torn apart by controlling, judgmental faith that says, you know, no one's good enough. Period. And there's no good news though. But this is a different way of being right in his sight, not by obeying the law, not by obeying rules and regulations, but by grace, no matter who we are or what we've done. That's the good news. That's what changes people. And uh, just today I was online and seeing some people talk about Christianity and their former former Christians which I don't even know if you can be that. Um, <laughs> but they were just talking about how dangerous they felt Christianity was. And there's no, I couldn't disagree with them. There's a lot I couldn't disagree with. You know, except for the fact that I understand that grace has set me free and grace has helped heal me and become a new person and become feel like the person I'm supposed to be. But it still was like so tough. To be like, I can't argue with you because you're right. The majority, or at least the loudest voices, are very dangerous like this. And these weren't fringe groups. These are people that I know and love and care about. You know? And they know me. But, obviously, I haven't been able to change their minds on that ordeal. So this is a tough message. A message of of grace and hope. Paul preached it. Because think about the freedom we have when we're not surprised when we don't have that other fail. I mean, that's the most powerful thing about the 12-step program is you know what you are. You admit what you are. You know? And it's just a daily walk, daily struggle. And when someone comes in from a slip, <clears throat> there's no excommunication. That's the powerful thing. There's no like, oh, we knew this was going to happen. We told you so. You know, you're going to have to go through a special 18 months of training in order to get. No, it's just, okay, you screwed up. Surrender. You're back. We're glad you're back in these rooms. That's it. That's a beauty. It's like, welcome back. You know, we're not here to beat you up. We're here to build you up. And people don't see that a lot. And that's what I hope hope the people here hear and, and are able to see a difference in, in things like their church or churches like ours, that it's a place where you can bring your, you know, when we fail, we make mistakes. That's not the end. It's just part of life. You know, we're glad you're here. Keep coming back, you know. Um, I had a few instances where, I'm sorry I keep going on, but I keep remembering things, and so I had a few instances in my earlier career where I had people who worked for me and who had made mistakes, and I really tried to live that inclusion 
of saying, okay, you made these mistakes, but it's okay. We just keep on going. And I remember having people I worked for, people I worked with come to me and say, you can't have this person here. They did this. You've got to let them go. You know? And I would say, no, if I let this person go because they wrecked their car drinking, that's what happened. If I let this person go, what's going to happen? It's going to be one more horrible thing in their life. But instead, I go, you know what? You made a mistake. You got to pay for that mistake. It sucks. But you know what? We move on from here. And that's what we tried to do. It's a little bit harder now that it's just me up here, so I don't have those fun stories to deal with. But I do want to say this, is that if you're looking for a place to come where you're included or accepted or you're looking for somebody to talk to, a pastor who's going to try not to judge you and love you despite whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully able to do that. I'll do my damnedest to do it. And, uh, and I think the people in this room you see around you uh, do the damnedest as well to do that. So, you are accepted. We pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness, your mercy. And uh, thank you for good news. Uh, give us all peace and mercy and grace that passes understanding. Help us to love one another more and make it through this really difficult world uh, with your will, not ours. Amen.